Hi, church. I'm Toby. <laughs> Hello. Um, well, let me remind you of this, this series, this series of, of missional rhythms. Um, there they are, very small. We, the way we think about mission as SOMA is not in terms of events or activities, although they're good and God can use them, but what we see, what we believe is that God has put non-Christians in our lives, everyday lives, people around us, when we go to work, when we go to the shops, people that we already have relationships with. Um, and, and so we want to be thinking about, well, what are things that we do in our everyday lives and that they do in their everyday lives and how can we use them to be missional? That's what we want to be, what, what we want to be thinking about. Um, and so... These rhythms, these six rhythms, are, are those things exactly. They're things that we do, but they're also things that the world does. So everyone tells stories. Everybody eats. Everybody celebrates. And it's not us. So what we're thinking is mission is not addition. It's not extra things that we add onto our lives. We're already busy. But it's intention. How can we be using what we already do to reach out to people? Show people God's glory and goodness. Uh, now that might mean changing how we tell stories in little ways. It might mean changing how we eat in little ways in order to be more engaging and in order to shine the light of God's goodness to others and talk about him in a more pointed way. Um, and so far we've had three of the rhythms. We're on our fourth. This is, we're going to be over halfway through guys. And I'm just going to give a really quick recap of these last three that we've done, because it's, they're every two months, so they're easy to forget. Firstly, we had story, and story is, is thinking about how, how engaged our culture is in stories and in storytelling. Like You think about Netflix and, and Audible and adverts and even answers to questions are pretty much always in story form. Um, so, so listening to stories is really incredible to learn people's, learn people's culture, learn people's lives. But then also how we as Christians have been brought into the bigger, beautiful cosmic story. The story of the world. From start to finish, we've been brought in. And so what we want to do is learn other people's stories but also learn God's story. And, and so when we tell people our stories, we can weave that into our stories. Missional in the everyday. The second thing was eat. We thought about how, how engaging um, how, and how valuable food is to our culture, right? We went to Springwood Festival yesterday. So many food stalls everywhere. Food is, is so valuable to our culture, especially in the Blue Mountains. And it engages all of our senses. And, and what we thought about when we, when we talked about eat is that we generally have 21 meals a week. If that's three a day, that's 21. Can we use one or two or three of those to eat outwardly with other people? And we thought about um, even just using our, our gospel community family meal as a time, just change that once a month to eat missionally with other people. Uh, there's something really wonderful about eating because you rely on something that's outside of yourself and, and it itself is um, pointing to Christ, but we also get opportunities there. The third one 
was listen, the power of listening and, and, and listening for understanding people and culture. The more we listen to people, the more we understand people's hearts, people's idols, what people worship, what people love. Like Paul walking through Athens, do you remember this? Acts 17, um, listening to the culture and that how then he was able to point people to Jesus in a way that resonated with them. Um, so we're to listen to others, but we're, at the same time, we're also to listen to God, a God who loves and a God who redeems, a God who cares, who sent Jesus to save, and that through listening well to others and to God, we'll be able to point people to him in a more pointed way. They're the three that we've done so far. That was brief. They're all up online <laughs> as well, if you want to listen to them properly. Um, I'm going to pray as we jump into bless. Father, thank you so much for this, this opportunity to gather together and, and this opportunity to open your word and think about, how, um, think about how we can partner with you to, to bring people to you and, 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 and save people from, um, from death and, and to life, Lord. And I pray that this will be really helpful um, for all of us. Uh, reaching out to the world. Um, I pray that you will lead us in that, and I pray that you'll be glorified through this. Um, in Jesus' name. Amen. So bless. A little definition. It's not really a definition. But what we're thinking about is giving. Generously giving. We're not thinking of like someone sneezing. Bless you. We're not thinking of hashtag blessed. Like a big house next to the water. That's not what we're thinking of. We think about blessing others, generously giving to others, whether that's through word or, or through um, material things or, um, I don't know, time, all of those sorts of things. And this one seems like a bit of a weird rhythm. It's not something that we put in our calendar, reminder to bless. It's not something we do. So it is a bit of an odd rhythm, but... It is still something that's ingrained into our culture. Blessing others is ingrained into our culture. Here's, here's an example. When someone goes on holiday, often, if you're really good friends with them, they'll bring you a gift back. That's blessing them. And people bless others with gifts or time or invitation, words of affirmation. I think mainly, I think the reason behind this is to show that they care and they love them. I think that blessing communicates love and care. And, and it, says that, it says that they're prioritizing you. You're more important than other things that I was going to spend my time on. You're more important than other things I was going to spend my money on. This is why there are so many gift shops in touristy areas. This is why the Blue Mountains, so many gift shops, so many floristries, so many spas and resorts. So everywhere does gift cards. Everywhere does gift cards. And when I worked in hospitality, we didn't even split the bill because it was so common that people would just pay for the whole bill. Blessing is ingrained into our culture and it communicates love and care for the other person. So think about a time that you were blessed. When someone remembered your birthday or got you a gift or Father's Day or gives you words of affirmation or blesses you financially, cooks you dinner, 
whatever it is, buys you flowers, all of those things show that the person who gave it to you prioritizes you and loves and cares for you. So we, Soma, are in a place contextually that blesses, but also receives blessing as a communication of love and care. A place contextually that receives blessing as a communication of love and care. And what we want to think about today is the same question we've asked for all the rhythms so far. I don't know whether you've noticed that, but it's the same question. Is if, if blessing is a rhythm that we have in our lives constantly, a rhythm that the rest of the Blue Mountains uses and connects with, how can we use this rhythm in a missional way to share the good news of Jesus? More concisely, if we are blessing regularly and our culture responds to blessing, how can we use the rhythm of blessing in a missional way? And there's so much to talk about, and I want to talk for so long, but I can't. Um, So I'm going to talk about four points. And the four points are blessed in Christ, blessed to be a blessing, blessing is simple-ish, and the biggest blessing of all. All right. Blessed in Christ. You know what I'm glad about? I'm glad that we don't need to move house anytime soon. Sorry, Tim and I, you guys just moved house yesterday. I feel like seven months after moving house, I'm still reeling from it a little bit. And it's such a big job. And when you move house, you think about um, all the stuff. Packing all the stuff getting it into boxes, making sure nothing breaks, bringing it over to the other house, unpacking all the stuff, putting the stuff in its rightful places, and then you feel a little bit settled. But, no, you don't, because there's cleaning to do. Oh, man, the cleaning. It's the worst part of the whole thing. We moved house seven months ago, and we had people who willingly came for that part. We had people who willingly came for all of it, and we were blessed, so blessed, that people helped Um, and that communicated love and care to us. But people came for the cleaning part. We had one person standing on a chair for hours cleaning our windows. We had someone on their hands and knees scrubbing the oven until it was sparkling clean. Crazy. That communicated love and care to us. And I'm sure that you guys all have stories of people blessing you with words or tasks or gifts or babysitting, whatever it is in a way that communicates how much they love and they care for you. Now, if blessing and being blessed communicates love and care, we know how much God loves us by how blessed we are in him. If blessing and being blessed shows love and care, we know how much God loves and cares for us by how much he has blessed us. So I'm going to read Romans 5. Six to eight. I think it would come up on the board. Yeah. Um, now this comes after just a little bit where it places in Romans. It comes after three chapters of just saying how incredibly broken and sinful humanity is. It's the first three chapters of Romans. It says no one is righteous. It says, the first three chapters of Romans says that nobody can come to God on their own doing. The state of humanity before Jesus is that we are dead. The wages of sin, the outcome of sin is death. And to turn from that, to turn from death is impossible for us. It's impossible for us. Nothing can separate us from the sure certainty that sin leads to death. 
Nothing of our own doing, anyway. And then it says this. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, that is, when, when we still had no ability to rescue ourselves from the certainty of death, what happened? Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died. The Messiah died. The anointed one died. The promised, the mighty, wonderful, glorious, godly son of God died for the ungodly. Then Paul shows through reasoning and logic that this is wild. He said, very rarely, verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Right? It's very rare that someone would choose to die even for a really good person. And then he contrasts that to Jesus dying for sinners. He says, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whilst we were still living in complete opposition to God, whilst we were living in sin, whilst we were living in the opposite way that he created us to live, that is when he died for us. That he took the punishment that we were living our whole lives toward. He took the death of sin, even though he was the perfect, godly Christ. He took the imperfect, ungodly death. Now, what does this do? Verse 8, Paul says that this death on our behalf, this removal of death and this giving of life, this blessing of the removal of death and giving of life communicates demonstrates his love for us. Through the blessing of life, it communicates his love and his care for us. Do you get that? Does that communicate with you? (laughs) When you think about Christ's death on our behalf, does that communicate that he loves you, church? He desires you, he prioritizes you, he cares for you, and that is shown through his death on your behalf. It's so good. So this is bigger than than any earthly blessing can show. So yes, I felt so blessed and felt so much love and care by people coming and helping us move house and clean. (laughs) But this is just beyond that level, way beyond. Taking death, giving of life, that's blessing. That's love and care. And that's good news. Do you know what else is good news? It doesn't finish there. That's not it. He doesn't just die so that we can have life and, and enjoy his love and care, although that we do get to. <laughs> but the second point is that we are blessed to be a blessing. What I mean by that is, is what he gives to us, he wants us to then bring to others. What God has done to us, he wants to do through us. And I think it was N.T. Wright gave this really good analogy of this. And he talks about... A, um, a delivery driver and a delivery driver gets into his van and he goes to work I don't know whether they keep their vans or not but he goes to work and the head postman goes hey these are your parcels today and gives them a bunch of parcels and the delivery driver loads up the van and he gets in and he drives it home and he gets all the parcels out opens them up puts them in their rightful places in his house now 
I'm sure you've already got it. But what it's saying is the delivery driver was given so much. Maybe one of them had his name on it. Maybe. But then he was given so much for a purpose to bring it to others. And in the same way, God has given us so much, spiritually and physically, but not just for us, so that we can be comfortable in our lives. No, he gave it to us so that we can partner with him in his ministry on earth, so that we can bless others with with what he's blessed us with. Later in the week, I'll send a little activity to gospel community leaders. Um, And this activity will, I'm, I'm hoping that GCs will be able to go through it in the week. Um, And what it is, is it's thinking through characters of the Bible and thinking about how they have been blessed by God. And so maybe think or or read through different passages, different characters, go through all the books if you want. Think about how they've been blessed from God and then think about how did they use that to bless others? Because this is all throughout the Bible. So, for example, Adam and Eve blessed with the Garden of Eden. But then they were to use that to grow the garden and be fruitful and multiply and share that with others. Or uh, Esther, blessed with favor from the king, right? But then she used that to save the Israelites. Or, Or Boaz in the book of Ruth, blessed with fruitful harvest. But then he used that to give grain to a widow and and her mother-in-law and so many other people as well. So thinking about that, who are the characters of the Bible, how have they been blessed, and then how do they use that to bless others? And then the second part of this activity is to think through ways and resources that we have been blessed with by God. Right? That might be experiences, that might be time, it might be relationships, it might be your house or your car. or your family, all the good things from God, and then think how we can use them to bless others. And then then it will ask the question, what will you do differently this week? And what will you do differently this year? So look forward to that in your gospel communities. I think, I'm, I'm hoping that it will bring out some really practical ways that we can bless, because we have been so, and it will help us to see how incredibly blessed we are and we have been from God. That's later to come. That's not now. On to the third point. Blessing is simple-ish. Simple-ish. I hope the exercise will help with this too. Um, when I was a teenager, me and my siblings lived with, um, with my mum. And my eldest brother, he, he lived in... Well, his bedroom was the... He pretty much just lived in his bedroom. Um, his bedroom was the one closest to the front door. And it was a mess. Clothes everywhere, cups, plates everywhere. Also, money everywhere. Cash. So I knew that if I was running late for the bus, I could just quickly dip into his room, find two pounds, get out and go to the bus. Now, you might see that as stealing. (laughs) The way I saw that was like Acts 4, where no one claimed any of their possessions as their own. I knew that I could just go and find his money and he'd be fine with it. Not that I told him. Um, I'm going to read Acts 4, verse 32. And this gives a little view into, into what the early church was like with blessing. So, all the believers, and there's about 5,000 at this point, 
All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them, and they brought the money from the sales, and they put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, I'm not saying that we need to do what this says. I'm not saying we need to sell our houses or our possessions. In fact, we shouldn't. We actually should not do that unless we feel convicted to. The next, the next passage is a great example of someone who's doing it out of the wrong motives. We should not do that unless we feel convicted to. What I'm saying is that their posture is right. Their posture of blessing is right. And two things come out of this passage. The first one is the simple part. The second one is the ish part. So let's go with the simple part first. Uh, It's happening in the midst of everyday life. Verse 32, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. Now this wasn't just when they met together, even though they actually met together every day, is what Acts 2 says. But this wasn't just like Sundays they shared everything they had and Wednesday nights they shared everything they had. No, they shared everything they had in everyday life. Now this is, this is pretty simple in one sense. It's things that you already have. This doesn't mean you going out and buying more and more things or hosting these big events or making sure you do really big dinner parties so that you can bless people and share what you have. No, this is just what you already have. You share it with people. It doesn't need to be extravagant. So that could look like if you stop to get a coffee on your way to work, grab someone else a coffee too. This could look like if you have a little bit of time in the week, just letting a mum or dad have a little bit of time without their kids for an hour. Right? Just really simple ways of blessing that just fit into our normal everyday life. Uh, This week, for us, it looked like um, yesterday, actually, having our neighbours over with their kids, because Annie was I was home working, and Annie was home anyway with the kids, and she was just like, hey, do you want to come over with your kids? I'm free. It was actually a really, really wonderful time. I ended up not working for a long time. Um, but it's, it's ish. Should we move on to the ish part? That's pretty simple, right? Everyday life. But a simple ish because of the second thing. Verse 33. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. It's all from God's grace. It is all from God's grace. This blessing out of your blessings in Christ, this, this, this is blessing out of our understanding of God's grace. So, although it's in the midst of everyday life, missional blessing is thinking about intention and posture of heart. It's thinking about intention and posture of heart. It's not... Should I bless or should I not bless? It's 
the intention or the posture of heart behind it. Is this out of God's grace? Is this blessing coming out of God's grace? So when you're thinking about blessing someone, random gift, words of affirmation, invitation to dinner, lending your car, babysitting kids, whatever it is, the question is not should I or should I not? The question is, am I living out of God's grace? Is God's grace driving me to make decisions to bless and love and care? Am I willing to bless because I have been blessed? It's got to come out of that place. It's a posture of heart. That's the difference between blessing and missional blessing. Posture of heart. So it's simple because it can happen in everyday life, but it's simple-ish because the intention must be right. Now, all of this blessing and generosity is good because people get to see that we love and we care. We're going to now move on to the fourth point, the biggest blessing of all. All of the blessing is good. People get to see that we love and we care, but it's pointless. <laughs> In a missional sense, it's pointless if that's where it finishes. The biggest blessing of all is what Jesus has done for the world and personally for you. Now, I don't want to be, and, and, and I don't think we are, just, just, just clarifying first, but I don't want to be a church that only focuses on blessing to show love and care. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. I want to be a church that blesses to show the love and the care of Christ. And I think we are. I think, I think you all do a really incredible job. And I've been the recipient of that. Um, I've actually thought, I've thought a lot about blessing this week. Um, I had the opportunity to bless some people, which is wonderful. But also, I've been the recipient of blessing this week. And, oh man, so, so good. Right, this is, this is what happened. Someone blessed Annie and I, like really generously. And we sent them a message saying, thank you so much. And this was their response. This is their message back. We've been given so much in Christ, and it's a joy to love him and you guys in this way. We've been given so much in Christ, and it's a joy to love him and you guys in this way. That is intention. That is posture of the heart. That is blessing to show Christ's love and care. And another thing is, this is a very genuine message, by the way, because Annie and I were thinking about blessing we were thanking people for the ways that they blessed us. We messaged the person who came and scrubbed our oven <laughs> and just said, thank you for so many, ways, so many ways you've blessed us over the past year. This was their response. To be able to bless others is such a beautiful gift to me. It's such a privilege to be in God's family. Isn't that amazing? So church, we do it. 
this blessing out of intention, out of, out of God's grace. The biggest blessing of all is God's love for us and for the world demonstrated to us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And if we really want to bless others, we will bring that blessing. So coffees and, and babysitting and gifts, they're all good, but count them rubbish for the sake of the gospel. <laughs> but God can use them as well to show, to show his love and care. So, back to the question. If we're blessing regularly, and if our culture responds to blessing, how can we use the rhythm of blessing in a missional way? Well, we're to recognize that we are blessed in Christ from death to life. We're to recognize that we are blessed to be a blessing. What God has done to us, he wants to do through us. We're to recognize that blessing is simple-ish, everyday ways, but because of his grace. And we're to recognize that the biggest blessing of all is Christ's work on our behalf. So church, you're blessed in Christ to bless the world in everyday ways, for his glory and fame.